0: Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Gaze Ahead. Today I talk to a beautiful soul and executive coach and thought leader. His name is Clifton Carmody. He is a Fortune 500 executive that moved into coaching. Uh his company is called mindful leader. And he has also been dubbed the top 20 thought leaders in mindfulness by Business Insider. He is really easy to talk to. And I left the conversation feeling both warm and inspired by Clifton. We talk a little bit about difficult conversations, how to have them, how to prepare for them. We talk about coaching itself and the difference between coaching and therapy. And we talk about little tidbits on how to just be a better human, and be a better leader. Clifton is very authentic and lives a very peaceful and influential life where he really helps leaders. And if you're on the fence about coaching and what it is all about, maybe this will help you understand more about what it is that is executive coaching. Enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and also sign up for a newsletter if you want me to ping you by email um, instead of following social media or whatever. You can do that on gaysconsulting.ca. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Welcome to the show and happy new year.
1: Happy new year to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's
0: it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation and we're going to jump right in and ask you, you know, tell us a little bit about your story all the way up to mindful leader and, and your, your company, please.
1: Okay. Um, I like to, I, I like to say my story is one that a lot of people take, uh, it's money, migraines, and meditation. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I started off my career uh, in in hospitality business, restaurants, and and I was a young up and comer. And I was successful at what I did. Uh, I made more money than I thought I would. I got to hobnob with, you know, people that were I thought were very important. And I was in this industry that was very rewarding to me. Um, it consumed me like it consumes a lot of people who are successful in business. And what the manifestation was for me was my first migraines. And I haven't had any since, but I had a couple right around that same time. And I realized I had a change. I was getting a little too caught up in things that weren't exactly my values. I was, you know, physically not feeling well. Uh, and I, Uh, And it kind of culminated one time when I was at uh, home to young daughters, I, I, I got upset because I had to wait like two minutes after I was called to the dinner table. And these two little girls looked at me like I was a monster. And I just realized I had lost like any kind of focus on my life that was important. And so I thought, well, I'll try this meditation thing. I, you know, I thought it was kind of a good idea. And it changed my life. You know, I, I I got it in meditation and yoga and just balanced out. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't somebody who was growing my hair real long. And, and <laughs> I was still a corporate guy, but I just presented myself to my peers, to my family in a slightly different way. So basically what happened is I went through that co- corporate world and, you know, I worked for James Beard award-winning chefs, five diamond resorts. And uh, I was really good at developing people. And I realized a lot of people just didn't understand this. Even at C-suite owners, um, they didn't get it. Still, and I realized I I had a knack for something. I met a few people, and next thing you know, I was coaching. So uh, that's that's my backstory on that.
0: That's so interesting. So you were called to meditation and yoga. Almost like it was trying to bring yourself back to who you really were. You recognized yourself as somebody that that you didn't want to be, and then you you found meditation and yoga to try and bring you back to who you wanted to be. Is that does that summarize it? That's
1: that's pretty close. I think when I first got into meditation, I, I actually have, have uh, worked in uh, several Buddhist centers, retreat centers. Uh, I was on the management board of the Dalai Lama's Brothers Center in Bloomington, Indiana, and I would get the, we'd get these little audiences you know like 10 15 of us in a little room with the Dalai Lama and of course it's like you know it's very profound and and at the time I was like well you know I'm into meditation and I'm really kind of getting into it I'm like well I, I you know I can't be a monk because I'm married and the Dalai Lama cut me off in his big baritone voice <laughs> and he says he says we don't need more monks you're a businessman. We need more good businessmen. And it changed my entire life at that point. I I saw what I was doing as valuable rather than it wasn't an either or. I didn't have to be a monk and I didn't have to be a business. I could just be a businessman and help people be better people and practice more conscious business principles, try to make the world a better place through business. Uh, Governments kind of get their hands tied. They, you know, in democracies, we can see what's going on right now. Everyone's kind of duking it out in all these different countries. And then, you know, you can't always do it that way, but business people can. So that's that's my path. Uh, That's that's my path. And I want to help other people do the same thing.
0: Mm -hmm. So when you think about, You know, the leaders that you work with now, are there, you know, are there tricks and tips that you apply or you ask them to apply in their lives? Not everybody has time to go and spend time at a retreat or with the Dalai Lama. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess practical tips or practicalities within a very, very busy human's life um, that you could share with us? Or how do you approach that?
1: That's a great question. And that is something that comes up because I truly believe that people want to do the right thing. Everybody wants to do the right thing, whatever their right thing is. And oftentimes we just forget. We get too caught up in you know the, the things um, we're doing rather than just being who we are. Mm -hmm. So there's different there's different moments of the day where if you make it a practice to check in with yourself uh, first I, I always try to suggest to people figure out something you know there's so many wonderful meditation apps out there free meditation you know webinars and everything else so first just get an idea because sometimes people are so removed from themselves that they don't even know what being present means like yeah they don't even know how to check in with their body um, and so if you if you can first just get a taste, just get a taste of what it is like to be still. Then, in the course of your day, I think one of your other guests has said it uh, really well at one point. She said, "Check in with your feet. You know, feel your feet." And and I thought that was great. I thought that was beautiful. You know, I usually tell people. Just checking with your body, you know, you can, you can sit in your cubicle or at your desk and nobody has to know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but you're just going through and doing a body scan and just feeling, feeling the energy flowing through your body. And you can do this in a minute or two minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's checking in with yourself and then kind of getting organized you know, like, okay. And then there's other times that they should be a trigger. Uh, I have to have a difficult conversation with somebody, you you know, maybe it's somebody that I don't like. Maybe it's somebody that, you know, they're, they're okay, but I just don't, I just don't like them, but you know, I've got to deal with them. Well, just check in with yourself, feel where you are, Think of something good about them because everybody has something good about them. Think about their family. Think about whatever and treat them like a human being. And if you if you just check in a moment before those difficult conversations or you're going into a, a meeting and there's a bunch of people, think about what is it you actually want to get out of the meeting? Because mm-hmm. sometimes we get so caught up in the I've got to send this message out. You're not like thinking, what, what do I actually want to get out? I'm sending a message to get something out of this meeting. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times throughout your day, there's those times where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to, before I go through that doorway, I'm going to take three breaths, just like we did, you know, at the beginning of this program. Before we started recording.
0: It's so valuable. It doesn't take a lot of time. It takes dedication. And you have to kind of remember to do that stuff. Take a breath or um, feel your feet, like you said, or do a body scan. I love that too. Where, you know, if you really get it attuned with your body, you can feel stress. You know, sometimes I feel it in my throat when I'm about to have a difficult conversation uh-huh. or you know, in my chest. Um, and so knowing where it is in your body sometimes is just something that can dissolve it a little bit or help you. Focus on it when you breathe. Yeah, so important. That that whole
1: idea of emotional intelligence, embodied emotional intelligence, that's a great thing because your body's telling you, you know, you have all your hormones are going off and, you know, stress stressors and then once you understand that and you can feel it you'll know when you're walking into something like you said i think that's great when i first learned that and it was just like last year uh, through a, a daniel goleman's organization uh it was um, it was amazing it changed you know you've kind of you know we, those of us in this we kind of go we kind of feel like we know already you know these things and then you just learn something so new and it's so powerful so
0: so true yeah. i wanted to dig down a little bit into something you talked about, which is difficult conversations and in life, maybe with the lens of business to start. Um, And you mentioned something that's so meaningful and that's treating the other person that you're having a difficult conversation with, or that you're planning to have the difficult conversation with as a whole person. And you mentioned something that I think is, I'm going to start incorporating right away, which is you know, think about something you like about that person, appreciate something about that person before you enter into the difficult conversation. It's almost like disarming yourself prior to. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about conviction as well comes to mind, you know, so you have to have the conversation, you know, that this has to happen with your employee or your boss or your colleague. And, First seeing them as a human and appreciating them, but then being convicted in the message and not being wishy-washy and coming in and making sure that you stand in your message or you stand in your, your delivery is another mm-hmm. thing that I need to work on better because I always, I'm always trying to work around, to protect their feelings. But really sometimes it's about like, here's the actual message. You're not performing the way that I need you to and looking them right in the eyes and making them still feel like I believe in you, but I need more, you know, something like
1: that. There's a a lot of good tools. And um, sometimes there's one so easy, especially these days with Zoom. So anybody who has a Zoom relationship, if I'm talking to you and we're going back and forth, maybe I'm your supervisor and I'm like, okay. Well, and we have regular meetings. Something is simple. I think there's uh, OneDrive on Microsoft, the Google Docs. All you do is just come up, you just document as you have a conversation, we both share these sheets. This is like one of the easiest things in the world. Yeah. You have the sheet, you put the date, the time we meet, and it's a running sheet. So every week when we meet for a half hour, hour meeting, we just write our notes. What did we agree to? What are the deadlines? Everything else. So for those of us who are sometimes uh, people pleasers or trying to not hurt someone's feelings, it's no longer, it takes it out of this right here. And we're saying there's this sheet right here. We both agreed two weeks ago that you would have it done in a week last week, you said you would have it done this week. And now you don't explain this to me, like, what am I supposed to be doing here? And, and it, it really kind of puts the onus on the person you're talking to, like, you, you take all the emotion out of it. And that's the yeah. that's one of the biggest problems conviction in w- doing what's right. And it's important. And, and here's another thing I, I teach people that when, you know, suppose you have someone you have somebody on your, your group, and they're not really performing, and you're working with them. And, you know they're missing deadlines and and their work subpar. Maybe they don't like working with you. Maybe they don't like the job. Maybe they're just scared. So you know there was this term we kind of used facetiously. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be successful somewhere else. And back when I started saying it, I didn't understand that that's that's a true thing. Some people, and and as a leader, sometimes just kind of pushing someone out of the nest where they've gotten too comfortable actually does good for them. There was somebody who grew into one of my best friends. I I ended up having to terminate him once and he ended up like doing what he wanted to do. He was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school. I wanted to get into naval intelligence. I wanted to do all this. He came back a few years later and said, that was the best thing that ever happened to him. And, And you can do it with respect the same way when you sit down with somebody that you need to get more, a higher level of performance out of you can do these things with respect and do it with love there's nothing wrong with very lovingly telling somebody look at, if this happens again i'm going to have to let you go you need to understand this and and when you do let them go people go, oh yeah you told me you told me three times that if i did it three times i'd be gone and this is my third time so mm-hmm. um i i i think there you know there's a couple of different tools but taking the emotionality out of it is is one of the biggest things and sometimes Having that little running dialogue on paper that everybody can look at, both of us, it makes things a lot easier. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And as leaders and managers, it's our responsibility to disarm our emotions before a conversation. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot of charge or there's frustration or there's anger sometimes in your psyche. And you need it's your responsibility to figure out a way to put that aside to your point, to put the emotionality. Yes over here and deal with yes. a human being. Yeah. Because it's it, yes. it's not them. It's it, right? Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I think that's that's a beautiful way of expressing that. Yes.
0: Yeah. And it's I uh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna post a, a meditation for our listeners about difficult conversations. So thank you for the inspiration for that.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> a
0: little prep sesh if you're having uh-huh. a difficult cons- uh-huh. conversation to ground. Um good. so tell me about coaching. I mean I understand how it is to be slammed and busy. And I know you do too. And so when you're telling a leader, um, you know, you have you thought about coaching or have you ever done coaching? And they just think of it as another to-do list. Like, oh my God, I'm already okay at my job. I'm already performing well. Why would I need coaching? Can you unpack that for me?
1: Sure, sure. So, um, so modern coaching started uh, with um, somebody named Sir John Whitmore. And, you know, he was, uh, he's royalty in England. He, he was a young kid, wanted to race cars like with Steve McQueen. His dad's like, royalty, don't do that. So he's like, okay. Uh, but he ended up, uh, you know, he, he was privileged. He played tennis, he skied, and he became somebody who coached sports through that. So, you know, other people would come and, you know, CEOs and and people of affluence would come to him. And he realized a lot of people were like, really could be a lot better if they got out of their head and they got more into like feeling what was going on. So people, his clients didn't always get it, but then when he could get them out of their head, it worked. And then these CEOs would say, this, you really improved my tennis game. And can you do this for my business? And he thought about it a little while and him and his partner, I think Tim Galway, they they started doing it. They started like working with these CEOs and said, how do you get out of your own way? And so a lot of times, especially those of us who have businesses, those of us who are leaders, we got to that position because we were inclined to take action. We are inclined to think most of the time we were right. Mm -hmm. And we marched forward. We just marched forward. There's not always somebody to hold us accountable. There's not always somebody who can speak that truth to power. So when I, sometimes I'm I'm coaching, I had uh, two uh, C-suite people on a call about three weeks ago, and they both had this feeling that they, it wasn't quite imposter syndrome, but it was like, they didn't have their life together. And it was such a, a wake-up call for them both because they never they never really had that kind of dialogue with other people. So when that happens, all of a sudden you realize you're not alone. There is a pathway and by, by getting coaching, you know, you have that time to someone else holds you accountable to do those soft things. Like your customers will keep you held accountable. You know, your business keeps you accountable in a certain way, but maybe there's other things like slowing you down before you go into that conversation or taking a moment of reflection to look at your whole life rather than just that positive part of your business. Maybe there's things where you work less, but you're actually more efficient, but you, you're so used to like driving forward in that way that you always have been successful. You know, there's there's a great book out there and it says, What what got you here won't get you there. Mm-hmm. And that whole idea that you you've got to kind of change as your roles change as your business changes.
0: Mm, so true. Because so, the to-do list will always be massive and huge. And, you know, the business to-do list or the, you know, the the leader to-do list. And it's about it's about being held accountable, like you said, to those softer areas that could actually help you be more successful even in business and in life. So do you you meet with your clients? Like, is it different for every client? Is it a once a month, once a month thing? Like just give people a view of what this looks like if they're considering coaching, like how Mm -hmm. often, what's normal? I guess it depends on the person, but what's kind of typical?
1: It it all depends. I um I try to not work with in transactional ways, but what happens is usually somebody is told about coaching and they come and depending on what they're they're needing, they're usually saying, look, I've got to get better at strategy or I need to work on my people skills or whatever. That's transactional. You're going to come to me and you think we're going to work together and you give me money. And then I fix you magically. And (laughs) that's not really how it works. It it works by changing who you are. It's, It's your being it's you have a problem relating to people there's there's something with you that is not allowing that you change who you are on the inside sure we can work on strategy and labor numbers and you know better time management but in in reality it's it's just kind of changing who you are so depending on the person it might be something where you're meeting every week you know in the beginning and then every two weeks um i'm starting a program right now for younger hospitality leaders where you get coaching one-on-one in the month and then you also have like a group coaching session later in the month so it's just a, a couple times a month but it's a nice entry point uh what people can expect when they when they meet with a coach you, you want to meet with a coach see if you have a little rapport see if they kind of work for you um see what their their angle is like for me it's a little bit of I definitely believe in in you have to have profits in your business or you're not in business and you've got to take care of your people and you got to take care of this planet. I believe very strongly that all those things work together. You'll have a better life if you're a better person and you'll have a better business. So all those things, it's very holistic. So you find somebody, maybe that sounds good and, and you come to me. Well, then we talk and we see if we have a rapport. And then the next step would be, setting up like, okay, are we talking about leadership? Maybe we take some leadership assessment or we just start working on one particular problem. And then it's about like unpacking the problem. What is your goal? What is your goal today? Why are you coming here? What happened? What happened this week? What is coming up for you? and then we unpack that find out what some limiting beliefs might be around that and then we move forward from there assignments check-ins maybe i have some resources that somebody else had that same problem mm-hmm. so okay. uh that's that's what it is but it's a minimum it's a minimum of of uh, once or twice a month up to maybe four times a month
0: yeah wow I've done coaching in the past and I'm a, I'm a diehard fan of coaching. Yeah. <laughs> and I've actually, <laughs> one of the reasons I reached out to you actually, um, cause I, and we really need to, to put this message out into the world. Can you, um, can you tell me the difference? Cause some people are listening, saying, well, I already have a therapist. So can you uh-huh. tell me the difference between coaching and therapy?
1: Okay. So, <laughs> so therapy is a wonderful modality to c- take care of, I think Robin Sharma calls it a heart set. Like you might have some sort of limiting beliefs about yourself and you're not even sure where those things come from. And working with a therapist, will go back, look at those, you know, unpack like your heart and what's been blocked and, you know, everything else and help you function today better by understanding your past. Coaching is is less concerned about those things. I mean, there's still a little bit of unpacking limiting beliefs, but it's a lot more focused on forward thinking. Okay, how are we gonna, okay, we get it. We get it right now. You've taken on this company. You don't really, you know, you you haven't really progressed as far. Why haven't you progressed? And you don't really ask why questions too much, but there's a little bit of an understanding, like why do you think, What, what is holding up? And then we just unpack that. Then we just say, let's come up with some goals and deadlines, and let's just do it. A lot of times action just dissipates all of your own personal neurosis. Mm. And so the, the main difference between therapy and coaching is one is a forward thinking, goal oriented modality. And the other one is kind of figuring out why you do things from from the past. And so for me, uh I, I've I've done both. And I find coaching to be a lot more effective overall. Mm-hmm. Just a lot more effective. I mean, if you have goals and you're goal-oriented and you're kind of a business person and you're busy, sometimes you just want to figure out how you how how you can move forward on something. And and if you just figure out a few project related goals, then sometimes that starts changing you on the inside. Understand I think
0: that. you've articulated that perfectly. I, I always think of therapy more like healing or you know that sort of thing you write from the past. And coaching is like I it's performance. It's like I want to be better as a human being. I want to reach some goals. Or sometimes you go to a coach. One of the times I went to a coach um And I I developed a coaching program with her and it was a multi-month relationship. I didn't realize what I was looking for when I started with her. By the end of my time with her, I left the company that I was leading. And it was so instrumental in the work that we did together because I hadn't, I had when we look back at the goals that I set at the beginning and how it evolved over the six month period of working with her, it actually ended up being completely different than I originally thought, which was so interesting, life-changing and impactful for my career and my life. So yeah, I agree with you. It's about performance, about goal setting. It's about like what actually matters to you as a leader, as a business person,
1: what matters to you. That's a beautiful way of saying it because it, like in your situation, it sounds like what you did is you kind of went through some value exercises. Like mm-hmm. what are your personal values? And then all of a sudden you realize it's that classic Stephen Covey thing where you've, you you know, you've climbed the ladder of success then you realize you're up against the wrong wall. And that's that's really important. And if you understand, like sometimes uh, I'm working with uh, one client that Ivy League school, CPA, working his way in one of the big uh, uh, accounting firms. He didn't want to do that, but that sounded cool. That was what the path was laid out. He looks great on paper, everything. He wanted to be a professor. That's what he wanted to do. So, you know, that was what we determined. That's what came out of our sessions. Mm-hmm. And that's how we made that transition. So I, I totally believe that that's one of the biggest things is just getting in touch. It's It goes back to the mindfulness thing. If you actually slow down and go, what sounds good to me? <laughs> why why am I doing something that was somebody else's, you know, goal for me in life? Or it just sounded really cool when I was 21. But, you know, now that I'm 31, it doesn't.
0: Yeah. And the influence of society. And like you said, what looks good on paper for somebody's career, we are pulled into that in North America. Well, all over the world, mm-hmm. I think we're pulled into that. And we're, we listen to that. We give that more space than it deserves. Instead of like you said, getting a little bit quiet and saying, well, what do I want to do? Not what my dad wants me to do or uh-huh. what my professor said I should do. Cause I'm good at it. You know, none of that more just what, what is it that I want to get up every morning and do, and and we're not. By the way, audience, we're not saying coaching is going to make you change your career. No, we're not saying no, that. No, no, <laughs> it's gonna no. It's going to declutter. It's going to declutter the noise that you're getting, as Clifton said, that you get in your own way. We're trying to declutter that with coaching more than anything, right?
1: I, I agree. Well, let me let me tell you, for me personally, when coaching came into my life, I, I'm doing this hospitality. I'm trying to do some meditation. I'm trying to do it. Well, one of the things that was pointed out was I saw my position is doing one thing. I'm a corporate guy, I do these corporate things, I put money to the bottom line, blah blah blah. And when I when I saw myself doing that, it wasn't in alignment with who I was. And my coach said, Well, there's another way to look. You're very successful at what you do. That means you've got 250 employees in that workspace today. You give them all jobs, you're a good boss. So You can work with mothers who are late because their kids were being dropped off at school or whatever. And you can adjust your little world in a way that makes the world better. As soon as I saw that, I I loved my job. I loved my job after that. It was a paradigm shift. It was just like waking up to this other reality that was simultaneously going on. But I saw myself and I saw my situation in a way that didn't make me satisfied. And all it was, was kind of seeing it differently and go, wow, this is what I do. And I I really enjoyed it. So I didn't have to become a yogi and live on a mountain and all that. All I had to do was kind of shift my focus. And and that's another thing coaching does.
0: Mm. So it sounds like you were kind of judging it. And then when you thought more about what you were actually doing for humans, and you took a human Mm. approach to it as a leader, you appreciated that thing you judged more. Is that, is exactly. That, that's exactly. so interesting. So, in fact, it helped you appreciate your job more, and that's another interesting piece about coaching. Is like you said, a paradigm shift or perspective adjustment, something that we can tweak. An aha moment, as Oprah would call it. Right uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. That's about well, I judge myself on I, when I put my notes down. Had three aha moments. Didn't have any aha moments. Sad face. You know like, how can, how can I impact people to give them that insight? One insight can change your life. Yeah. One one good insight can change your life, and that's what coaching does. Coaching allows that kind of reflection or seeing things different way. And it's not me telling you anything. It's like if I if a coach can do their job well, I'm just asking you the questions to. Get your brain to think a little differently. And yeah. then you have your own insight.
0: Asking the questions that maybe you we're a little bit too afraid to ask ourselves, right?
1: Too Is- afraid. Sometimes they're super simple. There are so many times you get out of a coaching session and they are thanking you and they just, and You know, as a from the outside, you're just like it was like oh, just you just connected the dots. It wasn't even hard, but we get caught up in our own tracks and oh, we only do this and we're only going to do this and and we never kind of think outside the box. And that's what the coaching session does. It allows you to see beauty where there was no beauty, possibility where it was impossible, and so that's you know, I love my job.
0: Mm. Oh, it sounds like it really fills your cup and you can end the day feeling like you've helped people, which really matters. I want to talk a little bit about group coaching because it's something that I've seen snippets of in my career. There are executive teams out there that run successful companies um, and put their team first, but maybe the executive team itself could, you know, operate better or more fluid or... So, is there such a thing as you mentioned? One of the programs you're launching has an individual component and a group component. Can we talk a little bit about group component? What does that What does that look like?
1: Oh, okay, so there's two two different types of group coaching uh, that that I've worked with. One is a bunch of people that are kind of in the uh, same level of their career, same. Maybe they're all CEOs, right? Or they're all C suite people, and that they have a certain level of responsibility that they share and a certain level of experience. And that could be whether you're C suite or middle manager or whatever. Okay. So that's, but they don't know each other. They, they don't, they come together, but they don't know each other. Then there's another type of group coaching where you said like an executive team. And if you do group coaching with those people, you can oftentimes um, depending upon the group, they might not already have that dynamic where they trust each other or they know each other for that matter. a lot of times executive teams like you, you know you you meet once a week and but you know the operations team has a problem with the sales team or vice versa they're blaming each other, you know whatever. And so when you get them in these group coaching situations and you can deep dive that's ideal if you can deep dive for a few days then, follow it up with you know, like weekly w- weekly sessions mm-hmm. um or bi-weekly or whatever. But I think what the what those do is they allow people to realize that they have the same challenges, right? So you'd get this group of C-suite people that have never have met each other. They can kind of help each other a little bit too. Oh, yeah by the way, i I had that same problem. Well, once you feel like you're not the only one in the room with a problem, you realize the answer is out there. You just need to, Explore it either with this group, online, with your own personal coach, whatever it is. Right. So, so that's one. On the other side, you have this group coaching with an executive team, and this executive team works together, but you know, they're kind of thinking it's that person's fault or that person's fault rather than saying, oh, wow, you know, in the whole hotel, every single department is short staffed. So, of course, the salesperson's writing up this contract that's a little incomplete the operations people don't have as many people to pull off this wedding as as we thought and then they get around and then they can help each other too they they mm-hmm. they end up working and helping each other and understanding each other and speaking to each other as humans not as oh he's sales. you know the senior director of sales yeah exactly mm-hmm. so yeah,
0: yeah at the end of the day it's all about human connection <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> that's it
0: That's it, right? That's why you can't do business without human connection.
1: Right. And I think it, you know, don't tell anyone, but I think it's a lot about love, right? Why do you go to your favorite coffee shop? You know, do they have the best coffee or do they make you feel good when you go in there? And it is, there's a certain level of, of, like, that's what we're searching for you know, uh, whatever it is. And then if you can figure out a way to convey that within the context of the business world and your product or its service, uh, your relationships with the people you work with, um, that goes that goes over really well. Then there, people feel like there's trust. People feel like I can make a mistake without, you know, you know getting fired or I can have an honest conversation with a peer of mine uh, and, and not worry about it because I have that personal connection with them. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. One of the things that has come up in recent weeks with some of my clients is how how we make people feel like they've got it. Like you can do this. It's not mm-hmm. you say it. And if you're insincere, they they can tell. So it's like, how can we have every interaction of our day with all of our peers, bosses, and people that report in? How can we make every human being feel like you got this at the end of a conversation, whether it's a motivating conversation, a business conversation, or like we talked about earlier, a difficult conversation. And that is something that, that I'm working on personally, because sometimes, you know, we'll have like just a drone kind of like we'll drone ahead, all action items, blah, blah, tick, tick at the end of the conversation. You kind of leave feeling a little bit sluggish, a little bit low, but if, if there's an energy around, Hey, I believe in you and I'm going to do this for you. And you know, if you can shift the energy to make a, the other person that you're dealing with, feel like they've got this, then mm-hmm. meetings become more fun. And to your point, it's kind of about love and trust and all those soft things that we don't like to talk about in business. That's actually uh-huh. really, really important for productivity.
1: <laughs> I think it's, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's super important. And, and why would we wanna leave any interaction, whether it's a clerk in a store, one of our employees, a client, why would we want to leave any interaction with that person feeling diminished rather than enlivened? Yeah. Right? Like that's that should be our goal. Like how how why wouldn't you want to spread joy? Like your workers work harder, your 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 customers buy more, your clients produce more, you know, whatever it is. So yeah. I agree with you.
0: It's true. And and when you're in a really happy mood and you're trying to pay it forward and you're, you know, it's easy to do, but the hardest is when you're kind of feeling oh overwhelmed or, you know, normal normal feelings in the in a busy person's life. That's when you really gotta dig down and uh-huh. make it happen. And all of a sudden you realize it worked for you too. You actually lifted yourself up by doing that for the other human
1: yes that's that's it you make the world a better place you're making your life better
0: yeah it sounds cheesy but it's so real like I see it every day it's so real it's so real um I watched my daughter the other day compliment person at the grocery store about her the color of her sweater and I was like there it is that's just it right it's just I love that about you stranger she's seven my daughter Uh and so it's like this is that's what it's about it's about you know taking the world and kind of lifting it up lifting other humans up somehow and she you know i hope she rides that way for the rest of her life
1: (laughs) i think it's great and she probably hopefully she will it seems like the world is kind of catching on to these things Mm -hmm. and and sometimes in the past the world kind of poo-pooed them or put them down Mm -hmm. or you know whatever but uh she will. She will. The mom like
0: right you. <laughs> yeah, we'll so. see. Um, well, speaking of feeling energized after a conversation, thank you so much for all of these gems of advice and snippets. And I'm hoping that those who were teetering on the fence of should I get a coach or not have been influenced by your words today. And Clifton, can you tell us where uh where the audience can find you on your, you know, a website or something where they can look you up?
1: Yes. uh, My name is Clifton Carmody, and I think I might be the only Clifton Carmody on the internet for some reason, but you can check me out at uh, mindfulleader.com and there's no vowels. I don't like vowels. Uh, Or Or you can uh, check me out if you're uh, in hospitality or uh, restaurants or anything, you can check me out at hospitalityleadership.coach. Feel free to look me up, LinkedIn, whatever you want to do. And uh and if you just have questions about coaching, I'd be happy to answer those too. I just want to spread the good news.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it's about finding that coach that you have you can build rapport with quickly. And and it doesn't mean it's the wrong, it's not a good person if you don't love them out the gate, but you do need to spend that time kind of finding the right coach for you and what they're all about and what you're all about. So don't, I guess for the audience, don't expect to find that perfect coach right out the gate. Maybe you have to go through one or two interviews, but that's okay too. Yeah. Well, listen, I'll post your website and some links in the show notes for our audience so they can reach out and ask you questions. And thank you again. I learned a lot today, so I appreciate your time.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it
0: been my absolute pleasure and we will stay in touch i'm very sure
1: (laughs) thank you